Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. And I have got a very special surprise for you. Recently, I had an interview with Ashley Houchin inside Clinical Academy, which is a membership for clinicians who want to learn the clinical side of their practice to become better clinically. And uh, more information on that in the show notes, uh, how you can join that wait list. It's not open at the moment. But inside, I did this interview with Ashley as part of the curriculum inside the membership. And it was so good that I couldn't help but want to share it with you. So whether or not you're inside Clinical Academy, this one is for you, friends. You are going to love this conversation. Ashley is going to share her story about starting out with nothing, having a big vision, following her practice, hitting multiple road bumps, doing it wrong, and then doing it right, and then doing it wrong. And now, mm, I'm not going to spoil the story. I'm going to let you hear it from her as our conversation unfolds. Here's my interview with Ashley Houchin. Hey guys, this is Ashley Houchin. She is joining us this week We're going to talk all things about how she really kind of decided to, with much agony, her and I were talking about this a couple of days ago, with much agony and distress about how she decided to, how she chose a niche, I should say, and how scary it was from what she was doing to what she's doing now. So Ashley, thanks for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So First of all, if you would just give everybody a little bit of background about who you are, kids, married, you know, all the things and what you do for your profession and how you kind of got into that profession. And then we'll move it forward from there. Okay. I am a mom to five. I have five kids, four boys and a girl. Ages range from one to 16. So we are experiencing all of the things, (laughs) toddlers, grade school and high school headed off to college soon. So we're in all the stages. It's very exciting at our house. And I, my husband and I have been married for 12 years and I've been a massage therapist for nine years. Before that, I was in the birth world doing placenta encapsulation only just for a few years. I did that. And actually that is kind of what spurred on my desire to do what I do now. So then I went on to be a massage therapist. I studied lymphedema therapy. So I'm also a lymphedema therapist and I do baby body work for fascial disruptions and oral ties. And then now also a clinical thermologist. So, and like lots of hats that I wear here in my office. So in your, so we'll skip forward. So Ashley has a wellness clinic and we're going to get to how she get how she got there, but you have all these things and all of these, you know, titles, tags, all the things that you do inside your wellness, women's wellness clinic. But you then went from placenta encapsulation, which you did when your kids were young. Yes. And then, so you went from placenta encapsulation, then went back to massage school. Then from massage school, you just started doing your massage business. Yes. And tell about that. anyone else, because I didn't want to ever be paid 
such like the rates, you know, I didn't feel good about the pay. And I also was in a situation, my husband had just gotten injured at work. And so I was in a situation where I kind of had to jump in and be the breadwinner because he wasn't able to. So I couldn't afford to work for a regular wage doing massage at massage MV or a chiropractor's office, anywhere like that. So I just jumped in and opened my own massage business. I was charging very little, but much more than I would have otherwise made working for someone else and it paid off. So So what happened when you opened your massage business? Like, did it take off right away? Was it like, you know, how did you get the word out about what you were doing? I think two things, this might not be a great, great answer. Word of mouth was a lot. I I just really needed bodies to practice on because we were in such a bad financial position that I charged only $45 an hour for an hour massage because I just needed bodies on my table. And then over, you know, over the months and years, I slowly increased my rate, but I would say Within probably the first year of having my own practice, I was fully booked, maybe like 75% to 100% booked all the time and booked weeks out often as well. That's nice. So you as a massage therapist obviously have to have the skill to be able to do what you do, right? So you have to have the skill. So you can't just say, oh, come see me for massage and you're a crappy massage therapist. So like you, you knew the skill and you have the gift to be able to do that and you love it. So at some point though, when you were just doing your one-on-one, you had someone else working in your clinic. Yeah. Yes. It took me, I worked for, I rented a space out of a spa for a few years and then I went out on my own and I had an extra room. So I rented that out just like pretty cheap rent just so that someone else would be using this space and helping me pay for my rent. And I did that for four years. And how did you, how did that work out for you? Like being a solopreneur, because a lot of times like practitioners get super stuck. They don't know they're nervous. Like I'm going to bring somebody else in and you're actually bringing someone in who's doing the exact same thing as you. So some people would view that as being like competition almost, right? What if she steals your people? What if, so how did you navigate all that? Was that scary for you? Were you worried Uh, about that? It wasn't, I I strongly believe that there's enough business for everybody and that everyone brings something different to the table. So, and this other therapist that rented me from me for a few years was excellent. She was a very good therapist. A lot of things she did better than I did, but then a lot of things my clients liked better about me. And we shared a lot of clients. People would bounce back and forth. Some clients I lost to her, some clients she lost to me. So I'd say it probably evened out, Yeah, you know, and, and we just really enjoyed working together. I think that, you know, that made it helpful. Yeah. So you both then she was she there full time or just part time? Was she had the room anytime she wanted it. She was trying to build her practice too. So our arrangement was that she would pay me per session. Oh, that okay. she so that she couldn't afford a big flat rent amount and I couldn't afford to have nothing. So she just paid me for every session that she worked, depending on the length of the session. Which was okay. on months when she'd be really busy. It was very helpful to me. Yeah. For my but then on the months that it was slower, then you yep. just, had to, you had to pick up a little bit more of those overhead costs. And then that's like, wow, then you're feeling it. He and I worked in the office together when COVID hit and we got shut down. So she didn't pay any rent for those months, which was like a huge eye opener for me. Like, oh, next time we're going to have to do this differently. Cause then I was on the hook for all the expenses. She wasn't working. So she wasn't paying me anything. Right. And it was hard, really hard. Yeah. That's a hard part. So, so that then, so there was your like aha moment, like, oh crap, I didn't, I did not structure this well. It worked while it worked. And then you go, oh shoot, it's not working now. And I need to do it differently. So then what happened from there? Then where did you go? And at this was kind of the point where you had to make some decisions. Yes. 
Yeah, I knew I wanted to grow and my heart had always been to have a wellness center. So I had actually put my feelers out for other renters. This girl that had worked with me, she also ended up having a neck injury. So she wasn't working for quite some time. So I was trying to find someone else to rent the room. It wasn't a really great location and I really had a hard time renting it. And so I told my husband, I I think my probably my only solution is to move to another building because I think this building is just not optimal. It's not a desirable location. It was older. It just didn't feel amazing in there. And so I think the combination of, you know, being yucky and in a bad spot And too, when your heart is not there, you know, you feel like disconnected and disjointed in the space, then the energy of the space is going to be off. Yeah. I want to, like, it was, it's a rundown building. And I knew I was like, I have no desire to invest in this building Mm -hmm. as a tenant because I know I'm not going to be here a long time. It's an old building. Like I just knew that it wasn't going to be a long-term space for me. So so you started looking, I found this space that I'm in now, and it was way more than I could afford having just like a small waiting area and two massage rooms and a bathroom. And then like a little cubby where my desk was. And then I styled this place, which was in a better part of town, a lot more traffic, a lot more people knew about it, just about the area. And it was four rooms. We turned it into five eventually because I, my husband built me an office And then a bathroom, a really large waiting area and a whole reception desk area behind it. And I haggled a little bit with the rental price because I was like, I can't afford this, but this is what I can afford. And I had a lot of favor with the woman was renting it out. So she was nice to me. So you left your smaller dingy spot and you came over to this big, like way more room than you really need. And your overhead is bigger. But what did... And I was alone. I didn't have anyone renting from me. (laughs) And so that's like a, that's a butt pucker moment right there. You're like, what am I doing? What did I just do? I remember feeling like I was going to throw up (laughs) when I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I know this is where I want to be. And I know that like, I know this is my place. I just, it felt like it for you right here. It was like, this is my space. I don't know how I'm going to make it work, but I'm going to make it work. And So. so what did you do? So yeah. Gosh, I'm trying to remember all the little I want you, I really, where I'm going with this is I really want you to talk about all the angst involved in what you ended up deciding to kind of niche down on. Cause that's really where I want to get to is what, how did you come to that decision? What is niche and how much, what was the anxiety that you had in doing that? And the wrong beliefs, you know, the fear is if I choose something and I niche down and I specialize in something, then I'm going to alienate all those people. And you already needed them. Yeah. So go talk about that part of your story. Cause I love this part. I'm going to backtrack a little bit then. Okay. I actually started the last year I was at my old place. I started to niche down a little bit and work on less and less men. I don't, I just love working on women. Men are harder to work on. I don't like working on their hard muscles. They don't take as good of care of themselves in general. And they're tiring. So I was like, I really just want to work on women. I'd already had a heart for women. I went to massage school just so I could massage pregnant women. I'd already been doing placenta encapsulation. I'm a mom. So I already, that was just already where my heart was. So then COVID happened and the vaccine came out and I was pregnant and I was like, I can't feel okay about massaging people that have been freshly vaccinated while I'm pregnant because, well, I wouldn't have felt okay with it either way, but especially not while pregnant because 
there was so much we didn't know. A lot of it was all the speculation we were hearing and nobody really had an answer. And so just to protect myself, I drew that boundary and said, I'm not working on people who are vaccinated until I'm done nursing this baby, which I was still pregnant with at the time. So I lost quite a few clients either because they were, that I had made that rule, whether they were vaccinated or not, or they had been vaccinated and they haven't returned. And that's okay with me because they're not my person. They're not my ideal client. So how was that? Like, what was happening for you in your head and your heart and your finances? And you're looking at this space and you just got the space and all of that. So not only are it just you, but now you got some rules. Yeah. I, it was actually really terrifying to, I remember sending out the email being like, oh my gosh, what kind of responses am I going to get from this? And I got a lot of really great response, which surprised me. A lot of my clients were like, good for you. I'm so proud of you. I can't, you know, and then they're telling their friends, oh, this lady's not going to get vaccinated. And she's also not going to take people who are vaccinated, go to her. So then I feel like I got like a whole new group of clients out of making a decision to stop taking a certain group of clients. Could we just stop like right there. And just sit with that for a minute. Yeah. Because this is the moment for all of you. Like we get so hung, we get so caught up in the, what if the negative, what if the negative, like, here's the bad thing that could happen here. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. And we put an and in there and then we finish the sentence with, which is what you were doing, which is completely natural. But then after you hit the send button and you start getting those responses back, you probably got way more positive feedback than you did negative. Was that true? Yeah. Like hands down. See? Like because what you, what you really did was you just took a stand. And so you either have to be strongly for something or strongly against something, but there's no money in the middle where the relevance comes in your niche or your market is having a stand. And you just drew your line in the sand and said, for those of you that can line up with my line, you're my people. And if you, or your line over here, whichever way it is, but then you push away the people that are, that need to go find someone else. And then the other people that you do draw feel even safer and more connected with you here because you embody their own values and ideals. I love that you had the courage enough to do that. Yeah. People felt, they did feel much safer in my space because they knew where I was coming from. Yeah. So now talk about how, what you did you, so you niche down into what's the name of your clinic? Aruka wellness, Aruka wellness. And your niche is women only just women, any woman, any stage or just pregnant women. Well, any women, any stage personally, as a therapist, I, well, I have a lot of loyal clients who are probably going to see me forever and they might be older, but my heart is for pregnancy and postpartum. So a lot of my new clients are pregnancy and postpartum clients. How do you market to them? Is it just word of mouth at this point? Well, we do a lot of, well, we're doing a lot of social media. And by the way, I've watched your social media and your reels are quite good. She did a very funny one with a bag of Chick-fil-A laying on the floor. Yes, please watch it because it's hilarious. It's very funny. It's a very funny. So I'll I'll tell y'all where you, or she'll tell you where she, you can find her. But anyway, keep going. We'll probably appreciate it. Because it's, <laughs> it's good. I was going to say, oh yeah. So I niche down women only. And at this point it was still really only me here. And I was like, I need more people because I can't afford my overhead. Like my, yeah. my child does not support the amount I'm having to spend. And at that point I hadn't invested. I'd since gotten a new website and we're working on a lot of SEO stuff. And that's where a lot of our new organic reach has been from, which is wonderful. I'm so thankful for that. 
But then I had, I found that as soon as I made the decision to niche down and have women only, I had a lot of practitioners approaching me wanting to be part of what I was doing. Like, like other like paraprofessionals. Yes. Like other Mm -hmm. massage therapists, lactation Mm -hmm. consultants, midwives, doulas, nutritionists, counselors, lots of like all different wellness aspects coming to me wanting to be part of it. And I made it because it's exciting when someone feels and sees your vision and they want to be part of something. It was, I made, well, it was good. It was a learning experience. I don't want to call it a mistake, but I was like, oh my gosh, you see me, you know me, you feel me, you understand what I'm saying. Yes, you can be part of it. So then I had all these people being part of it that really were just like hobby professionals like do this like you know one or two hours a week while my kids are somewhere else and it was all moms which I'm a mom I get it like we don't have all the time in the world so I found that I had attracted or (coughs) excuse me said yes to a bunch of people who weren't really serious about like their craft their career yeah Yeah. out of it than just a hobby or something that they're passionate about a lot of women are helping women and I didn't realize that until (laughs) I'd open this up. So I've unfortunately like had to weed through a lot of different people that just weren't serious. And, and now we have a smaller team. There's six of us, but I, and I do have people approach me regularly. I just have to be more choosy and kind of find out about, you know, finding out how serious they are about what they want to offer people. So when you, when you, first of all, I want you all to get that she planted her stake in the ground basically and said, this is what I'm, I'm for moms, I'm for women, and I'm for women in a space where they don't have to worry about any secondary effects or any quote shedding from the vaccine or transmission, spike protein issues, whatever. She, she, that's her, that's her thing. And it, listen, if you're watching or listening, that may not be your jam. It's completely okay. There's no judgment here, but I'm just saying, this is what she chose to do. She said, this is what is going to work for me. When she put her, drew her line in the sand and said, these are my people, all of a sudden it starts to create an energy that starts to bring other people that want to say, I want that too. I want that too. So now she's become a leader in the community because of her women's wellness center. And she's got people that are coming to her. So she weeds through all the people to kind of find her jam about what kind of person that she wants in her clinic. So now how do you have all of these more serious professionals? Like how do you have this structured inside your business? Well, I've done it two ways. When I first started, I needed help immediately with overhead. So that I had renters and they were paying rent. Rent is high because I provide everything. All I fully furnished everything. I provide a washer and dryer. We do all the laundry. I provide all the linens all the social media marketing, all the web marketing. They have online scheduling. They can take payments through our payment system if they choose to. Everyone can set their own rates because I'm in California. So that's like just some really spectacular requirements. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. So my they pay rent. They play they pay a flat rate every month and they get all the benefits basically of not having the overhead that I have. I carry all of that for them. They don't have to put the work into their own advertising. None of them even do any advertising which I think benefit huge benefit to me. And you're still, yeah, you're still able to create the brand that is 
true to you. So you still have control of your brand, of your voice, your tone, your funny, you know, video that you did laying on the floor with a bag of Chick-fil-A, right? I loved that one, by the way, it's one of my favorites. So anyway, but you're still able to kind of control, put the humor in, make it you, and people want to connect with you. So your paraprofessionals that are coming in, obviously that's why they contacted you is because they like your stake in the ground, right? Your position. And they identify with that, but they think about this. They get to come in and serve the people and you're leading the way, but yet they're coming in and helping support your vision by covering your overhead and providing a better experience for the people that come and see you. So what kind of professionals do you have? You're a massage therapist, you do thermography and quite a good thermography person, I understand. So massage, thermography, placenta encapsulation, lymphedema mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Floor physical therapy. And you have a pelvic floor PT. Yes. Yep. Perfect for women. Yes. And an esthetician. Nice. And we're working on trying to get some counseling in here because I would love to have a therapist in here. Yeah. I have things I want to add, but that's one of the important ones for me. And then we do refer out a lot for lactation and chiropractic. So you, do you refer to people who also have your same kind of niche? So it's, they're going to someone who also really specializes in women. Well, yes. Our, the chiropractor, you know, you know, Neil, yeah. Neil um, Bul- Bulchin Denny. Bolchin Denny. He, I had him on the podcast previously. So if you want to listen to my recording with him, yeah, he's amazing. He's a he's unicorn of unicorns. That guy is. Yeah. He, his niche and specialty is babies and moms. So it's like a perfect marriage for referrals. And we do a lot of the infant body work that we do here is for addressing tongue and lip ties and oral restriction, just overall oral restriction and fascial restriction in babies. So the lactation consultant that we partner with is also very well-versed and savvy with oral restriction and fascial care. Most lactation consultants aren't, unfortunately, but we found one that is. So Oh, that's so good. So now you've really kind of developed your community or your network and you have them pay rent space, Mm -hmm. right? So they're not independent contractors because for you in California, you can't do that anymore. So you could do space rent though. So that's good. So you've got that all set up. So what's next for you? Like, where do you see the gap other than looking for to bring in a counselor? So that's your next kind of go-to place. What's next for Ashley and Aruka Wellness? Where my gap, well, where I see my gap and where I'm working to figure out is figuring out that with a renter, I do, I am capped with my income potential. If I have a renter that's renting the room four days, I actually do seven hour shifts because no massage therapist or physical therapist really wants to work eight or nine hours a day. So right. um, my renters rent in seven hour shifts. They get four a week and that is $700 a month. And it doesn't take up my whole day because we're open from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. So really I can split my day up into two shifts, seven to two and two to nine. So I have a lot of gaps where there aren't people working. There's not even anyone to work. If someone were to want a massage, Anybody available. not even anyone here. And we're at the point now where we have traction because of our word of mouth, our SEO, our social media reach, and we're gaining some traction and we're getting a lot of 
calls to people just finding us online. I've got to find some therapists who are hourly because I need to be able to grow financially, which I'm like I said, I'm capped with renters. I can only make so much off of them as in California. I can't make a commission off them, a flat commission off of a renter or an independent contractor. So I have to have employees and that's been a challenge is finding the, finding someone who is passionate about women who loves what I love, but also is willing to not have their own business and not do all of the hard work themselves. Right. So if you were to bring somebody in, you would maybe find someone who wanted to work like, let's say Tuesday and Thursday evening or something like that. You would just fill in that little gap. So the goal obviously is to have your schedule at an 80% capacity from your out oh, during your open hours, the 14 hours of your day. So you've got seven hours in the morning and the seven hours in the afternoon. So finding those little people, how do you feel about bringing on employees? Cause you have one employee now. I have three. I have one, I have an admin and I have one massage therapist and our esthetician is an employee. Oh, okay. So you have three. So you yeah. would, yeah. So that employee thing is not new to you at all. Like you're good with that. I'm, and I have a background in retail. So I'm really thankful for that because I think without that, I would be struggling a lot more. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Go, go, go down that road. I really want you to talk about why you think that background of retail, where you would have struggled and what is it? This, what is the skill that the retail gave you that's coming in handy now? Because I think sometimes as business owners dealing with employees is a challenge. So challenge. talk about that. Well, I know for massage therapists in general, they struggle with the ability to provide customer service. Like they just don't, they know how to work on someone's body and send them out the door, but they don't know how to connect with them in a conversation or even have like good bedside manner. That's a challenge. Yeah. And so I've had to do like our massage therapist. Now I had to do a lot of coaching and training with her. And even if that's a lot of role-playing, she worked, she's only worked for small massage MB or massage heights places where she's making minimum wage. And she literally brings the client back, massages them, sends them out front. Someone else checks them out, rebooks them if they want to rebook. She doesn't do anything like nothing. No, she just didn't even know. No idea. And I didn't know that when I hired her because in my head, I'm thinking, this is just what you do when you're a massage therapist. You just are kind and welcoming and you nurture everybody and you make them feel happy and you make them feel like you're happy to see them. And she was like, it didn't occur to her. Like basic customer service was just not present. So my retail background, I managed a few different retail stores and that was huge for me because I think without that background and understanding how to work with employees and how to coach people and teach people and even work on client retention, I would have struggled a lot more than I am. That's so good because it's really, we sometimes walk in assuming that someone knows how to do something. So now how in your, in the future, how can you include some of that in your screening or your hiring process? Cause you didn't know. So now you're probably a little bit more aware. So what would you do different now? I would do role-playing in the interview process. I'm a client. I've walked in the door. How is this going to go? And then I'm leaving. How is this going to go? And do a little bit of role-playing to see if they know how to even handle a situation like that. Everyone, well, not everyone, most people are coachable. So even if you have someone in your interview, that's not super strong in the area, they might have zero experience. Like this girl that I've hired, she's an excellent therapist. I would hire her again, but it's just taking more work than I thought to get her up and running. Yeah. To where clients are like, she's very sweet before everyone said she's very timid. She's so quiet. And she, even to the point where she like blatantly asked someone, did you want to leave a tip? Because she didn't have for herself. She didn't, 
like the she just didn't have the skill set no one had taught her like that's really rude <laughs> yeah. you can't don't ask for your own tip. Yeah. Don't ask if you hand them the thing, if they leave you a tip, great. If they don't, great. If they forgot and they remember later, great. Like you just, you know, you have to do it all yourself though here. So that's the other thing we do differently as a, with our employees, because we don't have a front desk person all the time. They have to check their clients out themselves. Most places, the massage therapist gives like just under an hour massage and then they send their person up to the front. We have, they give a full 60. It's really important to me that everyone gets a full hour facial and massage. And then they walk their client up to the front and they do the whole checkout process there, which is a whole nother learning curve. Right. That's for someone who doesn't have good customer service that then you have to have conversation. Then you have to deal with the charges and talking about money and taking money and rescheduling and how all the things that go along with that. So yeah, you probably had your work cut out for you. Is there a way that you could automate that training? This is just my business mind thinking, but is there a way that you could automate that or make it almost like a, this is how we communicate. It's a, it's an SOP or a system in your practice that this is how we interact with people so that it's consistent person to person to person. Yeah. We are working on putting videos together, like role play video. Good. Yeah. And then obviously through the interview process, I'll find out if they have that skill set at all or not. Right. Now that you know to role play that because you just assumed that was the, that was what she was good at and she wasn't. Comments to me, it's common sense, but I was in retail starting in high school for 10 years. So yeah, yeah, it's common sense to me, but I didn't know that it wasn't for everybody. Well, Ashley, I am so glad that you are here. Now I have a big surprise for all of you that are listening. (laughs) She's dropping her head because she knows what I'm going to (laughs) say. You okay with this? Yeah. So full disclosure, Ashley is my daughter. So yeah, so she is my number two daughter and just loves mamas just like me. So you can see that the, you know, apple didn't fall far from the tree. So anyway, I'm like now I'm getting a little teary because I'm just so happy that you agreed to come on and share your story. And obviously I've kind of walked with you through this. So I couldn't, I didn't want to let that cat out of the bag in the beginning because I really wanted people to hear you for what you had to say and not that I was, you know, in, because really you did, you just traversed this so gracefully and through all of the sticky parts and the hard parts and the, how am I going to do this moments and crying moments and all the things, what have I done? You know, being a business owner is not easy all the time. Being a clinician is not easy all the time. Knowing how to grow a practice is not easy all the time. So I wanted you all to hear that from, you know, needing money, charging, not enough, you know, but needing bodies on the table to get practice and to get cash in the bank to charging a little bit more and building a brand and then struggling to find your niche and then finally figuring it out and then having to make a hard decision and draw a line in the sand. And then you polarize your people and then you now polarized everybody, right? You've got your people that love you and people that hate you. And you're still like, I don't have any money. I get to do. And it's just, when you stay true to what is right here, it will always, it will follow. But you, Ashley, you just stayed, you just stayed really clear about who you wanted to serve and you just didn't let things get in the way. And now here you are growing a business and building it the way that you want, because it's important to you to have 60, 60 minute treatments. Nobody yeah. else does that. I hate that. I don't want to go get a 50 minute massage. Don't jit me. I want an hour, <laughs> a 90 minute. No, I want the whole thing. Yeah. So that, 
because that's what's important to you. So I just love that. And I want you all to really hear that. Like that was a thing for her that just caused the greatest amount of passion. She, that's the passion in her is what is driving her and has allowed her to really create a super successful wellness practice. So Ashley, thanks for being on with me. Thanks. It's always good when a mom and a daughter get to hang out together. That's always super fun. So, all right, guys, thank you so much. All right. Much love to you all. See you later. Bye. Well, I told you, was that amazing or what? Um, Not only is she my daughter, but I'm so proud of her. But she really has, she, she weathered and went through all of that largely on her own. We had some conversations in the middle about that, but she just has really stuck to it and given it everything and not been willing to compromise on what was important to her. And I think that came through loud and clear during the interview. So here's where you can reach out and get in touch with Ashley. If you have any questions, you can reach her. Uh, Her website is arukawell.com and it's A-R-U-K-A-H-W-E-L-L, arukawell.com. And you can also find her on Facebook and Instagram with that same handle, arukawell. She's got great Facebook and social media posts. And as promised, I've got the link for that ridiculously great reel that she did. I'll put that in the show notes for you so you can watch it. It's really great. And then as far as the clinical academy that I mentioned where this interview actually hosted, if you're interested, you can join the wait list. Just go to rondanelson.com forward slash clinical academy, get on the wait list and you'll know the next time that it opens up. But it's perfect if you are a practitioner who's really wanting a place where you can have all of the clinical education and knowledge that you need at your fingertips in a very easy format to find what you need quickly. When you got a patient sitting in front of you, you're like, oh, what do I do with this particular condition? That's what Clinical Academy is great for you. It's gonna tell you what to do, give you the protocols, the advice, the training, all the things. And then if you're really looking to grow your business, if you're wanting help on the business side of things, you can always get in Clinical Business Academy. That is rondanelson.com forward slash join CBA. And again, this one is waitlisted as well, but never hurts to get on the waitlist, right? Anyway, thanks for joining me, friend. I'd love to have you in my world. Would love to help you grow your business, both clinically and on the business side. Either way, I'm happy to help. It would be my greatest honor and privilege. I hope you enjoyed this interview with my delightful daughter and phenomenal businesswoman, Ashley Houchin. Stay tuned. More coming up next week on the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. (music) 